My name is Kate the Socialite, and you're listening to episode 183 of The Kate Show, and today I'm talking about the top alerts that tell us the home industry will be slowing down in 2022. But before I get into that, I want to thank HoneyBook. This episode today is brought to you by HoneyBook. So if you are looking for a streamlined, automated client process to up-level your business, look no further. HoneyBook can automate your client bookings, questionnaires, contracts, and invoices. Go to HoneyBook.com and enter code SOCIALITE to receive 50% off your first year. For those of you who are still using Dubsado, HoneyBook could be your great next fit. Go to HoneyBook.com and enter code SOCIALITE to receive 50% off your first entire year. All right, guys. So the home industry is crazy right now. Don't know if you noticed that. (laughs) I've seen most designers, stagers, and beyond fall into basically one of two camps as a result. Either they are wildly busy and losing their minds, or they're scrambling to make ends meet and wondering if their businesses will last through the end of this year. And by this year, I mean 2021. Now, both of these camps are rough places to be, primarily because it's difficult or impossible maybe to plan your business around what happened in 2020 but we all did learn a few things as a result a few things being well virtual meetings work because pants are optional (laughs) i mean i'm here for that i gotta tell you i put on a nice shirt and i'm usually always wearing yoga pants and then second we've learned that we need more than one stream of revenue to help counterbalance the dynamics of this industry and the economy. And number three, we do not like the feast to famine cycle of business and would prefer to avoid the riotous ups and downs. Amen to that, right? Now, many of the home professionals who did not make it through 2020 or who did not make it through 2021 were struggling even before that fateful day in March, at least like here in the U.S., that's when things got shut down. At that point, they were still trying to build up their referral network, they were gearing up for better processes, and they were getting ready to grow their team. And guys, it's not their fault that they weren't quote-unquote ready. I mean, it was an unprecedented event. Perhaps they had just launched their business. Maybe they had just returned from a hiatus, or they were dealing with personal struggles, or, or you know, just living life. Regardless, 2020 did not discriminate, it all hit the fan, and we were left bewildered business people. Let's not let that happen again if we can help it. If your goal is to help your home industry business create steady revenue even when the economy does weird things, you need to hear this episode. Now, guys, if you haven't already, I want you to go follow the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You can go to Amazon Music, Audible, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all the places, basically. And if you're looking for another home industry podcast, then you should check out the Design Network. Head over to designnetwork.org to find a podcast collective on all things interior design, from doing the work to crunching the numbers to actually running your business. All right, guys, let's get into the top alerts we need to pay attention to that tell us the home industry is going to slow back down in 2022. Marketing your interior design or home staging business should be easy and relational. My name is Kate the Socialite, and I believe in action, not just ideas. And I share strategies that have proven to work right here every week. If you're serious about growing your business in the home industry, you're in the right place. 
Welcome to The Kate Show. I was on a call recently with one of our Socialite Vault members, and she dropped the biggest load of wisdom on me in like 10 seconds flat. Here's what she said. I know this spike in the home industry won't last much longer. It can't. I've been around long enough to know. I also know what it's like to be so busy that I don't market my business at all. When the projects are done and the leads have dried up, I have to start completely over with all my marketing, and it's exhausting. A few years ago, I decided that enough was enough. I now market my design firm at the same rate whether I'm fully booked or not. Now let me tell you something about this designer, guys. She is incredibly busy with clients, and she's busy marketing her design firm. Consistency is key, and that is what this brilliant design entrepreneur realized. By the way, I know this designer listens to my podcast, so hello, you know who you are. Thank you for your wisdom. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed that phone call. Now, guys, to an extent, it is possible to have more control over your business than you might realize. Case in point, the interior designers and other home pros who are booming in business today had been steadily marketing through word-of-mouth referrals and or through producing content up until everything went to crap. I can say this confidently because so many of you have shared your insider secrets with me, which I always appreciate, and you share with me the things that you do to ensure your business will not flatline. Some home professionals experienced unprecedented growth as a result of the pandemic, taking their business from barely making it in the pre-pandemic area to rocking and rolling through 2021 with more work than they can handle. Now, some didn't make it at all, and some retired early. Some went from crazy busy to insanely busy. To quote my designer friend from earlier, this uptick in the home industry won't last forever. Now, I'm not a doomsdayer. I'm actually an optimistic realist. I'm a woman of faith. I'm an entrepreneur of planning and strategy. So why do I agree that the uptick is going to end soon? Well, a few reasons. The short answer is that nothing lasts forever on this earth. Nothing does. That's just common sense. And something we all need to remember as we gasp for air trying to keep up with clients and back orders and delayed projects is this is all very temporary. Now, the long answer is a bit more data-driven and scientific. Because I'm not an economist, I'm actually going to be quoting a few finance and economy professionals who understand this so much better than I do. And I've tried to really keep these things short because... I know this can start to become information overload if I start talking about percentages and numbers and blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? After a while, even I would start to tune out. So here is a summary. Bloomberg said that U.S. economic growth will likely slow significantly in 2022 as the service sector's recovery fades. And that's according to the Goldman Sachs Group. Bloomberg also said the U.S. bank expects the world's biggest economy, America, to return to trend-like expansion of one and a half to two percent in the next or the second half of next year. So meaning by the second half of 2022, things are not going to be booming and crazy like they are right now. A little more insight on that comes from CNBC. They say the economy is creeping back toward normal and millions of sidelined American workers will be returning to their jobs. That means a gradual revision to the mean for an economy more used to growing closer to 2% than the much stronger levels it has had during the reopening. So to kind of put that in a way that normal people like me can better understand, because I've been 
reading this stuff for like two days now, so I've had time to digest it, but you guys hearing me just now for the first time might be like, wait, what? Basically, they're saying the economy is turning itself back toward some semblance of normalcy, and if we're growing at a 6% rate right now, it's actually going to drop all the way down to a 2% growth rate in 2022. So 6 divided by 2 is 3. Basically, the growth rate is going to be three times less next year in 2022 than what it is right now. So it's something to um, be aware of, I guess. CNBC goes on to say that growth has peaked. The economy will slow a bit in the second half of 2021, and then much more noticeably in the first half of 2022 as fiscal support fades. So we're kind of getting two different messages here. Some people are thinking that 2022 is going to be slow right from the start, whereas other sources say, no, it's not going to slow down until like June or so of 2022. Basically, it's going to slow down. Nobody knows for sure when, and that's just the fact of it. Nobody knows for sure, but we can read the trends and see what is coming. I actually have a few graphs and charts and infographics in the show notes of this episode. So when you're not driving to your next job, I suggest that you go to the KateShowPodcast.com and look at episode 183 because you might want to see the line graph that I have. The line graph shows how much people were spending on services prior to 2020, and it was a fairly steady upward climb, you know, not too bad. And then around the 2020 mark, we obviously see a huge dip, followed immediately by the upward spike. Now, we're currently in that spike, but we're pretty much at the top of it, and now it's time to look at what is coming next. What comes after that spike? Well, from the end of 2021 through 2025, the line starts to return to a more comfortable upward trend, not straight up and down like it almost was. There are also no huge dips or spikes in sight, so that's good, but I mean, it doesn't bar those things from happening. It just means that we've been riding a huge wave of delayed demand this year in 2021. And once those demands have been met, we'll need to prepare for a less robust schedule. We'll need to have projects lined up ahead of this to prevent the feast to famine cycle, going from tons of projects to absolutely no leads. We need to avoid that and we have to start planning right now. Now, according to Deloitte analysis, consumer spending on services will be at an all-time high in the early part of 22. So again, people are conflicted on, is 2022 going to be an entirely slow year or will it only be slow starting halfway through the year? We don't know, but they do confirm what other sources have said in that it's going to decrease three times less throughout 2022. Now you might think this gives you plenty of time to start creating a lead strategy and a good marketing plan at some later time, but don't be deceived. A good marketing strategy can take a few months to create, especially if you're really busy. It can take a few more months to implement, and it can take at least three months of consistent use before you start to see results. So in reality, having a year's notice on needing more business is actually just enough time to get ready for it. So do not waste the time you've been given right now and be grateful for the warnings and the trends that people are trying to tell us about. The economists are not always wrong and they're not always right. But if you knew that business was going to be slow a year from now, what would you do today to prepare? Well, let's start with the things you shouldn't do. Don't plan to set aside time later because you know you won't get to it. 
because you'll just be finding other reasons. I'll, I'll do it next week. I'll do it next month. I'll do it when this project is done. I'll do it after this install. But unfortunately, you'll get to the end of it and then be out of work entirely and you'll be operating from a place of worry instead of strategy. I have seen this happen so many times and it doesn't have to be this way. You don't have to go from a huge feast to an absolute famine in your business. The second thing you shouldn't do is rely on advertising alone because ads by themselves do not have enough power to sustain your business. The third thing you shouldn't do is sink large amounts of money or time into social media. Here's why. You don't own your social media accounts or your followers. With Facebook currently being sued by the U.S. Federal Trade Commission for creating a monopoly, it's honestly really unclear how Facebook and its child companies like Instagram will react. If Facebook is forced to break up their monopoly and sell Instagram, for example, you can be certain the new owners of Instagram will have their own algorithm changes. Just keep doing what you're doing on Instagram if it's working for you, but don't be discouraged if it's not. Because like I've said many times on this podcast, if you're not getting clients from Instagram, it's probably because you are targeting someone that just doesn't use Instagram and you can't change that. Don't try to go dig up clients on a platform they don't use. Instead, figure out where your clients are hanging out and go there instead. The fourth thing you should not do is decrease your prices or offer free consults or buy one get one deals or other things that might devalue your value or your work. On that note, I need to quote my colleague Rick Campos of Design Biz Survival Guide. Here is what Rick recently said. If you're struggling with justifying your purchasing process and pricing structure to clients, remind yourself and your clients that the service we provide is not about savings, it's about access. We provide a service that our clients cannot perform themselves. Your clients should be hiring you for your skills, experience, and expertise, not your discount. This is such good advice, especially since a lack of clients can make even the best of us wonder if we should lower our prices. But price isn't the issue. A lack of perceived value is. How can you consistently market your business in a way that doesn't eat up hours of your time or huge chunks of money or really devalue and hurt your perceived value? How can you create a sustainable marketing strategy that works in all seasons of business? Well, I'm glad you asked. Why don't we look at some of the facts? According to WordStream, which basically helps marketers become better marketers, they are saying that in 2021, having a direct relationship with customers will be even more important. So obviously, guys, this is going to carry into 2022 as well, because they're saying you know, the online landscape is becoming even more cluttered with brands that are trying to reach digital consumers. So case in point, the CEO of Car Parts reported that they have seen a click-through rate on their email marketing increase by as much as 400% and their email revenue doubled. So that's what happened in 2021. That's the new trend, not a trend like something that's going to be gone, but this is the new line graph, if you will. This is what we're seeing. Email marketing is becoming even more important. This episode of The Kate Show is brought to you in part by Socialite Vault. Did you guys know we give away free marketing templates in the vault? That's right. You don't have to be a member to test drive these templates. Just go to socialitevault.com and click on the freebies tab. These templates are specific to designers, stagers, workrooms, and organizers. They're beautiful and easy to edit in Canva. Go to socialitevault.com to grab your templates now. 
Now, it's not really that surprising. Speaking directly to a potential or a past client via email is at the top of the list for anyone who knows about marketing. And furthermore, there's a firm called Agency Analytics that also helps support marketers. So I guess that's why I know about them, right? But they backed up this evidence with a few more actual stats. And here's what they said. In terms of overall performance, you might be surprised to find that email typically produces better results than social media. This makes sense given that an email subscriber has already opted into your list and knows about your brand. In terms of ROI, email marketing tends to have a significantly higher return than other channels, as it's estimated that email generates $38 for every $1 spent, which is an astounding 3,800% return on investment. Social media comes in at a distant second place with an estimated return on investment of only 28%. So you've got 3,800% ROI versus 28%. Interesting, right? Now here's what they also say. Despite these stats, social media does have one significant advantage over email, and that is the ability to go viral. Your posts aren't restricted to your own network of followers. If someone shares your content, a certain number of their followers will see it too, which can often result in far more exposure than you would get through email. That said, going viral isn't easy to do, so it's usually better not to count on that happening. When it comes to marketing, it's best to treat social media as a place to connect with your audience rather than a place to directly push your product or service. And this really made me pause and laugh a little bit because they're like, you know, you could go viral, but that probably won't happen. So don't even make that part of your plan. It's funny because a lot of people do think, oh, if I could just make the right video, if I could just get the right content out there, I'll go viral and all my marketing problems will be solved and I'll really never have to market myself again. But that's a pipe dream, not a pipeline strategy. So that's why I wanted to share all of this, guys, with you, because this is where we have to get serious as business owners. We know there's a change coming in the economy. Now, if you're not in the U.S., I could almost guarantee your economy is going to change, too, because we've all kind of been in this together. It's been difficult. It's been tricky. And we have to plan for something if we see potential for it on the horizon. So clearly, email marketing works. You guys have heard me say that for like years at this point, and you're probably wishing I would stop talking about it, but I'm not going to because I've seen it work so many times. I continue to see it to work, and I care about you guys and your businesses. I don't want you to go from being fully booked out like crazy to having absolutely no work and being worried about how you're going to pay overhead and feeling sick that you're going to have to lay off employees or wondering if you're going to be able to contribute to your child's college fund. That's not a good place to be. And if we can avoid it, let's avoid it. So let's go on to a few other stats that are going to help you make the best decision for your marketing. So we do have plenty of data that reveals how profitable the underrated strategy of email marketing can be. And I'm going to read you a list of stats that have been gathered by HubSpot. HubSpot is another place that really just helps marketers become better at what they do. So they're like the education source for all marketers. Here's what they have to say. Active email accounts surpassed 5.6 billion in 2019. So this is bigger than social media. 78% of marketers in 2020 said that email is important to overall company success compared to 71% in 2019. So interestingly enough, 
in 2019, you still had over 70% of actual marketers saying, yeah, email marketing is amazing, but then it increased by 7% in just one year. So in 2020, they were like, oh yeah, this is super important to overall company success, which means that when you have some catastrophic event like the pandemic, it actually doesn't hurt email marketing. It makes email marketing more important. They also went on to say that four out of five email marketers said they would rather give up social media than email marketing. So social media, as fancy and shiny and fun as it is, when it comes right down to making money, it can't stand up against email marketing. Also, you'll get a higher open rate per email if you send like five or fewer emails a week, which like obviously like don't burn people out. <laughs> That's why I often say send one, maybe two newsletters a month going on. 99% of email users check their inbox every day, some check 20 times a day. Of those people, over half of them check their email first thing in the morning. So that's just something to think about when you are sending out an email newsletter. Send it out in the morning. Now, this is a big thing. This thing really does apply specifically to you guys. It says, the home and building services industry has the third highest email open rate at nearly 19%. Now, the open rates that we're often seeing in my agency are closer to 30, if not 40%, and that's because of a whole bunch of things that we do on our end, but I'm not going to get into that right now. But my point is, not only does email marketing work, but it works specifically for the home industry. This is why you guys need to start making plans and paying attention to how you're going to start marketing yourself right now, because you will see the fruit of that labor a few months from now, a year from now, and that's when you're going to need it most. So if you're like, okay, how do I start doing this? This seems intimidating. It seems overwhelming. Well, I actually have a step-by-step -step process. It's just a simple, easy marketing strategy for people in the home industry. And it's like about nine small steps. And it will be helpful to you whether you have a huge team or you are a solopreneur. So here's what you need to do. Step number one, Export your contacts from your invoicing system or from Gmail or from Outlook or whatever platform you use. Exporting your contacts is helpful even if you've never served a client because you're still going to have contacts who could forward any email marketing to someone else who needs you. They'll end up hiring you. I see that happen all the time. Step number two, clean up the spreadsheet of those exported contacts and delete everything except three columns. First name, last name, and email address. You don't need anything else. Number three, Remove anyone from that list who is not your ideal client, such as industry colleagues, but keep your friends and keep your family on that list and anyone else. But if you're an interior designer or if you're a professional organizer and you've got someone else in the same industry on your list, you might as well just remove them. They might be a friend and they might open everything you send, but then they're just going to skew your open rates because you're going to think, oh, wow, all these people are opening my email newsletter when in reality, it's just all your design colleagues or something. And it's like, well, that doesn't help. <laughs> so just remove those people from your list. Step number four, import that spreadsheet into MailChimp or Flowdesk. Pretty simple. Step number five, decide which of your services that you enjoy the most, and then write a paragraph describing that service. If you've never had a client, or if you have had a client, describe how that client's experience was with that service. Number six, gather three to four relevant images around that topic. These could be stock images, or they could be photos from your portfolio. Number seven, 
find a recent photo of yourself and write a few sentences about who you are. In the first person, by the way, you need to write in first person. Talk about who you are and what you do, and then just wrap it up and be done. Keep it short. Step number eight, add your photos, that paragraph you wrote about your services, your headshot, and your short little bio. Put it all in an email template in MailChimp or in Flowdesk, and then hit send. That message will be sent to your contacts, reminding them that you exist and that you can help them, and exactly how you can help them. Step number nine is to just do this consistently every month. You will be amazed by the responses you receive and the projects that will likely ensue. Like I said, I have seen this work so many times. I have had designers tell me their business has tripled within the matter of one quarter, by the way, just by being consistent with a monthly email newsletter. Now, if you're like, you know, I've tried email marketing in the past and I just don't think it worked for me. Well, I've heard that a few times and I can guess where it might have gone off the rails for you. Maybe your contacts kept unsubscribing every time you'd send a newsletter. By the way, some of that's normal, but if you had a really high unsubscribe rate, it could indicate that your contact list has gone stale and that it needs to be sorted out and updated. If people aren't opening your emails, then just remove them from your list and then make sure you're adding your new leads and your new contacts to that list. The other thing that you might have experienced is that you just didn't have enough contacts which means that maybe you need a lead magnet on your website, or if you already have a lead magnet, maybe you need to change it. Maybe you need to promote it more in different areas. And maybe you don't have email capture set up on your website at all. Those are things that you should be doing because they're going to help you long-term. Maybe your issue was consistency. Maybe you sent an email newsletter only once per quarter or twice a year at most, which made it too easy for your contacts to forget about you. Or maybe the main problem you had was writer's block. You didn't know what to say in a newsletter, so you didn't send one, or you just didn't have time, even if you enjoyed writing. You had no time to craft it and put it all together and send it. Or maybe you were told that social media is a replacement for email marketing. Now, while the data obviously proves that's not true, so does the layout of a real sales funnel. If your business needs to have a social presence, and not all do, by the way, social media is just the front door of your sales funnel. Email marketing is at the other end of your sales funnel where the agreements are made and money is exchanged for services. Social and email are not the same thing. They are not interchangeable. And that's why I just want to challenge you guys to try email marketing. Try it for three to six months and watch how it changes your business. If you are uncertain, if you are not sure what 2022 is going to look like for your business, if you looked at the data and the charts and the graphs and all the things that I've put in the show notes of this episode and you're like, you know what? I see this as a warning. You know, we're not doomsdayers over here. We're not saying, oh no, everything's going to crash. It's going to be terrible. It's going to be 2008 all over again. I'm not saying any of that, but I am saying we have got to approach life more proactively instead of reactively. So if this is something you want to pursue and you need help, this is what we do. If you need help creating email newsletters, go to socialitevault.com, book a call with me. You can actually talk directly to me. I know, right? Not that big of a deal. And people tell me all the time, oh, you sound just like you do on the podcast. <laughs> yep, I do. This is me. And maybe we'll end up having a video chat. That would be great. I would love to talk to you guys about this. This is why we do what we do for you guys. You don't have to wonder how long it's going to take before your leads dry up. You don't have to market your business from a place of panic. 
Get your strategy set up now and get into the rhythm of marketing your business in all seasons. Consistency is key and having a plan is essential. And that's why I wanted to create this episode because we can see the trends. We've been warned. We've got the alerts. Now let's take action. Be proactive, not reactive. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Kate Show. I cannot wait to see you guys over at socialitevault.com and speak with many of you. So feel free to hop over there and book a call. Until next week, keep your marketing simple, your message clear, and I will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Visit us at thekateshowpodcast.com where we empower home professionals with marketing confidence.